Welcome to Psychology.fm, the podcast about cycling culture, sport, and passion. I'm your host, Rob Reed, and we're here to put the psych back in cycling. So let's get psyched. A little bit of pain never hurt anybody, if you know what I mean. I'm talking about a glass of beer. My guest today is Jared Fisher. He's co-founder of Escape Adventures, which runs mountain bike tours all over the American West on some of the most iconic routes in Utah, Arizona, and Colorado in particular. The company's based in Las Vegas and also operates three bike shops with one of those in Moab. I've known Jared almost as long as he's been running Escape Adventures, which is coming up on its 30th anniversary next year. One of the great things about cycling is the people and characters you get to meet. We're a very eclectic group, and Jared is one of the more exceptional individuals I've had the pleasure to know. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met, and he's a phenomenal cyclist who has precisely zero ego about it. Case in point, He took advantage of the slowdown from the pandemic and built a new hut system last year called the Aquarius Trail. It stretches 190 miles across southern Utah with five eco-friendly huts along the route that each sleep 12 people. They're equipped with solar panels and can be done as a self-guided tour where Escape stocks the huts with food for the group. This should be at the top of every mountain biker's bucket list And it's just one of the things Jared and his team did to get through the pandemic. No big deal. The first company I ever started was actually a mountain bike outfitter in Tucson called Arizona Off-Road Adventures. I talk about this in episode zero with my former partner, Chrisky Bear. So I have a unique appreciation for the amazing business that Jared has built with Escape Adventures. And because I know Jared, I also know the culture he created for his business and how that's been critical to its long-term success. Escape is a reflection of his personality and his passion for the sport of cycling, something that I'm sure every guest walks away with after their Escape Adventures experience. Jared Fisher, welcome to Psychology.fm. Thank you. Good to be here, Rob. Did you get a ride in today? Yes, I did. Um... I've been trying to sneak rides in because we've been trying to do this for two days. So I've been going super early in the morning. So I'd have time to do this with you. So you've made me ride at three in the morning for three days now. No way. Three (laughs) in the morning. (laughs) I I woke up at three and was on my bike at 345 in the morning so I could get everything done to make time for this this afternoon. Oh man. It worked out. That's yeah. Knowing you, that is not surprising at all. (laughs) So that, so it was just like a a little uh, jaunt from the house there in blue diamond. Yeah. For the most part, I go and ride the red rock loop. Me and my wife are trying to make a million feet this year in elevation. So we've been riding as much uphill as we can. A million feet. Yeah. We're trying to go uphill a million feet. So that that's that's 2,700 feet a day. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, so it's so insane. I have to do it, and my wife's doing it too. So we're both on board for it. So I can't miss a day. No, you can't. Oh <laughs> no. my god! So you climbed twenty seven hundred feet today? 
Yeah, well, I climbed like 5,000 feet today. 5,000 feet today. Yeah. So yeah. I try and get ahead. So like when I have bad days or I can't do any riding, yeah, of I, course, you know, yeah. I got it get banked. Some, you got it banked. banked. Yeah. Dude, well, <laughs> I mean, that is that is just an insane goal. And that is a perfect way to set up this interview. So I want to first actually tell the story about how we met back in the 90s. My partner, Chrisky Bear, and I were doing recon for a mountain bike touring company that we were actually starting. And, uh, you know, if you, if you listen to episode zero, we talk about that a little bit because Chris was my initial kind of guinea pig for this podcast, right? So we flew from Tucson to Vegas for an Escape Adventures day tour. I think this was like 94, I'm going to guess it was right, right around that time. And we probably saw an ad in bicycling or bike magazine back in the day. And I think it was like right around the time when you were really starting to uh, get started with, with your touring company. So we stayed at the Luxor, which uh, was pretty new back then. And you came up and you picked us up in your, I think like a 15 passenger van. And, you know, we did the full thing. Like we did the rental bikes you had the bikes on the roof, took us out for the day with lunch and everything. Like little did you know, you know, we're sitting there like taking notes the whole time, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like okay, this is how he does it. You know, this is, this is how you actually run these things. Yeah. And that's and how you fun. should do it. You need to go yeah. and check your, see how yeah, other people are doing it. Why reinvent yeah, we the wheel? But we were being like, the funny thing is like, we were being totally cagey about it, you know? Oh. And now that I know you, you know, in <laughs> retrospect, we probably could have said, Hey, Jared, we're, we're starting a bike touring company in Tucson. Can you give us everything? Yeah. And you course. totally would have, Yeah, you would have just been like, Oh yeah, this is, this is how you do it. You know, like, I don't know why we thought we needed to be, you know, all like surreptitious about it beyond learning, you know, how to run a day tour. We discovered some pretty amazing single track in Vegas. And it really opened them, opened my eyes to how great the mountain biking was there. So first off, I actually want you to sell me and sell, sell the audience here on Las Vegas as a mountain biking destination. Cause I don't think it really kind of tops a lot of people's lists as places they want to go to ride single track. Yeah. Well, when you rode it, Red Rock Canyon, Cottonwood Valley was pretty much all we had. Since then, Las Vegas Valley has doubled in size, actually tripled in size. We're over 2 million people now just in our valley. With that comes innovation and more single track and people. And so we now have probably 10 times the amount of single track now as we did when you came 20 whatever years ago. We've got super tech stuff. Uh, I worked on a whole newer trail system since I met you way back in the 90s. The cowboy trails, those are really techy, steep up, steep down. We've got the burbs. Now, most of this single track now that we have, it's not technically legal single track, but oh well. That's just what happens when the <laughs> government doesn't get on board with what the community is asking for, is you get illegal single track. But no one's out there to shut it down. It's, you know, it's there. When I go on a mountain bike vacation, I have great rides. I always look forward to come back to Vegas because. I just, I love the riding here and we've got it all higher elevations, lower elevations. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, and I think people just don't realize that when they, when their whole experience of Vegas is like the strip, you know, for a bachelor party or, or coming in for a vacation or something like that. Like, you know, you, you just, you just need to look West 
And there's just a sprawling network of single track out there. You don't need to bring your bike because, of course, you've got Escape Adventures there to, you know, to provide everything that you need, soup to nuts. So next question, tell us the story of Escape Adventures, how you started it, and you know, where the company stands almost 30 years later, right? You're coming up on, on your 30th anniversary like next year, right? Yeah, we'll be at 30 years um, on April 10th, ninth, or <laughs> uh, yeah, but we'll be at 30 years. I can't remember the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I moved from Connecticut to Vegas to go to Hotel Administration College at UNLV. And I was a BMX trick bike rider and I had a trick bike team and, and we used to love to travel around and get paid to do shows and all that good stuff. But ended up in Vegas, realized getting hurt all the time on the BMX bike was not going to be a sustainable career, but I love bikes. So I developed a mountain bike tour company as my thesis basically for UNLV hotel administration. And that's how Escape Adventure started. And uh, basically, we were started with day tours, which you joined, but we also did rentals and we also were uh, getting involved in multi-day tours like around uh, Southern Nevada and into Utah and so forth. There were a few other bike tour outfitters out there in the Moab area at the time we started doing tours on in Canyonlands National Park. And we basically, we did the same thing you did, Rob, like we went out and me and a couple of my buddies who worked with me from the beginning, we went out and we we didn't actually technically do a tour with anybody, but we went out and observed and talked with owners and stuff. And uh, we didn't we did this, you know, we didn't tell them who we were either. <laughs> but they probably figured out who we were and soon sooner than later because we started like the, uh, like, the like the rim tours and yeah. The, the, well, we yeah. didn't go to rim, but uh, Kai Western and Spirit the, or yeah. The iron the irony of it all is we ended up buying one of those companies about 10 years later. So we bought Kaibab mountain bike tours. Which oh was yeah. I remember Kaibab. Yep. Yeah. So uh-huh. we bought them and they were the one, one of the ones I kind of looked up to, they were still young too. They were still trying to, you know, we we're all innovating back then. And there was really basically three heavy hitters in the mountain bike touring industry. There is today three hitters as us, Rim and Western, but right. we're all, we're all friends and you of know, course, we're, yeah. It's a great industry to be in, but we grew our company over the years, bought Kaibab in 2002. Right prior to that, we opened up a retail bike shop in Vegas. About 10, 10 years later, we ventured out and built our own building. After we renovated Kaibab Mountain Bike Tours in Moab, Utah, Moab Cycle, we rebuilt that. And then in uh, 2012, we built Las Vegas Cycle, and I wanted to build a really cool energy efficient, world-class cycling store. Actually, my whole goal was to build the best bike shop in the world. That was what I wanted to do. So I set out to, I looked and figured I'm going to build the world's best bike shop and that's my end game. And so I built what I think is probably one of the best bike shops in the world. And people can dispute that or however you want to look at it, but come and check it out if you want. I'm getting ready to build another one up in Reno. So we ventured out, we we own three retail stores and two in Vegas and then one in Moab, two yep. tour companies. We molded them together, Kaibab and Escape. And, you know, we're into other, we got our hands into other little businesses and stuff on the side, like real estate and stuff. I've always been the kind of guy who's been the, I'm kind of, I probably consider myself maybe the Tom Hell of mountain biking tours. So Tom's back roads bike tour 
yeah, CEO. Oh, yeah. He's he's definitely more. He's like I get stopped because in in progression as far as growing the company bigger, just because I get stopped when I see a cool trail to ride. Like I'll I'll say, okay, forget the money, I'm going riding. <laughs> yeah. So. I've always not grown as big as I could probably grow our company, but that's fine with me. I'm not interested in, you know, I'm not driven by money, but we have definitely been financially successful in the industry and done really well. And I'm happy with where we're at. I, I want to grow organically always. And so that's kind of escape adventure story. We're going on 30 years. We have probably 70 or 80 employees and we love what we do. You know, we'll we'll grow, but yeah. organically. So Reno's our next adventure. Yeah, I, w- I want to get into like some of the actual tours uh, in a little bit, but I also want to share my next escape adventures experience because actually it was just a couple years ago. So I came down from Park City in the spring of 2019 with a couple friends to get some early season dirt. You know, and I hadn't I hadn't seen or talked to you in like 20 years, so. This time around, like one of your guides picked us up and this time we brought our own bikes because we drove down. He brought us out to your house in Blue Diamond, which was which was awesome. It's a sweet place with like wild burrows, like kind of hanging out in the yard. The craziest thing about that trip, you know, I mean, we we rode a whole bunch of new single track. We did these huge rides. But the thing that we that my friends and I still talk about to this day is your bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of funny. It's this it's this Foes aluminum full suspension 26-inch fat bike that weighs at least 50 pounds. Right? And then yeah. you throw a pack on your back that weighs probably another 10 pounds. And then you're off the front setting a pretty intense pace. So talk to me about that bike and I understand that and I and I've seen that this bike is actually part of a collection like what is up with that bike okay i was a normal mountain biker up until 1997 i rode a normal mountain bike with a single crown fork and one day i was doing a tour in red rock and i took a jump with my clients two clients on the tour and there were two guides me and one other one and i snapped my manitou single crown in half at the very end of the ride in the parking lot and got knocked out. I got backboarded and hauled away in an ambulance and woke up at trauma center in Las Vegas, UMC trauma center. And my wife was just shaking her head. It was probably my third or fourth concussion. And I was like, Oh, what's going on? She's like, you got knocked out again. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, great. And I, so after the aftermath was, I went to look at what happened and I saw the Manitou had snapped in half. And I'd said to my wife, I am going to have to ride a massive bike from here on out. I can't afford for my bikes to break because I was breaking frames all the time. As a BMX trick bike rider, I would always break things, but I break mountain bikes way faster. So I was riding with specialized kind of on their stunt bike team, like Back in those days, we would ride mountain bikes at the Cactus Cup series in Arizona. I don't know if you remember that, but the guys oh, on the yeah. trick bikes, I, I rode trick mountain bikes, yeah. that was me and my buddy doing those shows. So I decided I was going to put a big fat bike together and ended up with a Monster T on every bike I've ever had since 1999 when they started making Monster T's or 2000. 
And I've had a monster T on every bike for 20 years, even on this mutts, foes mutts. So I just ride a big bike. I got used to it. I ended up doing epic 24 hour races, everything on that big bike. Cause I just don't give a flying hoop de doo If I finish in first, I just don't want to finish in last. So as long as I'm in second to last or better, I'm good. So I always rode these big bikes and that's the story behind that bike. I'm sticking to it. I'll ride it as long as I need to until I quit jumping and stuff like that. I'm still kind of getting a little bit crazy, not as much as anymore, but that's the story behind the bike. So that's why I ride a big bike. Can you get any more of those or are are they? (laughs) Okay. I probably still like making bikes or no. Yes, they are. I went and I talked to Brent foes last year in his factory. He still has all the stuff to make those mutts and stuff. But here's the thing. It's not as much the bike. It's the monster T's. So, Monster T's allow for a four. Marzocchi, right? Marzocchi Monster T's. They quit making those in 2004 or 2005. So I actually have a collection of Monster T's bigger than anybody in the world, I'm pretty sure. I have maybe at least six or seven Monster T's, and they're all like in pieces and rebuilt. And (laughs) some of them are from 99 Monster T's. Some of them are drop lowers where they have the eight inch travel, some are seven. I collect monster tees because I need parts and rebuild them all the time. So the question is is not the bike. It's whether or not a monster T will work on the frames is really what it comes down to. So So like a, like a Fox 40 wouldn't, wouldn't do it. No, I tried a Fox 40 for one race and exploded it in uh, the 24 hours (laughs) in the old Pueblo. It was gone. (laughs) One ride done. (laughs) So what, 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 okay. So what are some of the other races that, that, that you and that foes have finished that you, you mentioned, I think you've done the, the park city point to point, right? Yeah, I did that. It wasn't on a foes though. It was on a Ellsworth dare. So oh, I was riding okay. Ellsworth for the longest time. So I've, I've known Tony forever. So he's kind of given yep. me his little ambassador signature or whatever to ride his bikes. But he quit making those, as you know, or he just stepped away from it for a while. But no, it's basically big bikes with monsters on the front and doing them cross-country races. The biggest, hardest, gnarliest ride I think I ever did, though, on that bike was Montezuma's Revenge in 2005. That was horrendous because you have to hike your bike to the top of Gray's Peak. And with your bike in pieces, people take their wheels off and their frame strapped to their backpack and wheel in each hand or whatever. And they hike to the top of that. And I had to haul and huff and climb (laughs) over up scree fields straight up that mountain oh my gosh you don't ride up it it's a scree field so i (laughs) i got to the top and i had my monster my monster ellsworth with the monster t in the front and the guy looked at me and he said what are you going to do now and i said well i'm going to ride down off the mountain he goes well nobody rides off the top of gray's peak he goes it's too (laughs) dangerous and i said watch I got the right bike for it. And it was awesome. Oh my gosh. There were just boulders. It looked like the, I heard Richie Schley's interview that you did. And it just reminded me of Richie Schley's like early, early early cranked videos of scree and rock flying past you. That's what it was off grays. So that was the hardest. You had had like 26 by 4.8 tires. And I actually had 24s. I had 24 inch. Yeah. See, 26, when 29ers became popular, I was just learning to go to 26 inch. So I'm about two or three inches <laughs> behind people on the wheel sizes still. <laughs> it's just so I, I, I eyeballed that bike at 50 pounds. Like what, do you know what the actual weight is on the thing? Yeah, it's, it's around 50, 55 pounds. Yeah. The he- heaviest it's ever been is 63. 
and I raced it in a 24 hour race at 63 pounds. And I was pretty stoked. I didn't come in last place. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. It no, you fun. are, you are like the energizer bunny, man. Like you just freaking, <laughs> you just, just start pedaling and don't stop, man. Just it's, go. It's amazing. Yeah. It's fun. So here's a topic out of left field for people listening. You know, they, they won't expect me to ask something, something like this. So Talk to me about your run for governor of the great state of Nevada. Well, that is kind of out of left field, right? <laughs> Where's a guy riding a monster T? Why is he running for governor? <laughs> well, okay, let's get into it real quick here. And we'll try not make it too long, but I've I've been interested in politics for a while and uh, living in the state of Nevada for so many years and meeting so many people and big wigs and whatever. Anyway, uh, I decided I was going to get involved and, and, uh, I went uh, to the governor's race and thought I would do well. I did. Okay. I did pretty good, but I didn't win. I lost the 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 2018, uh, yeah, 2018, 2018. And it was a great experience and I'm going to be back again in the future to do it. I might want to, that's one of my, my goals to check off is to be the governor of Nevada and I'm going to get there. It's just going to be eight years from now. And governor of Nevada. (laughs) It'll probably be eight years from now. So because I've decided that I just want to like why I'm healthy, (laughs) I want to do so much in life that I kind of don't want to, I I'm kind of glad my wife's extremely excited. I didn't win the race <laughs> because she didn't want to upended your life. Yeah. yeah would have upended things. So in, in respect to her, like I'm going to lay out, lay off the, the governor's race, but I'm probably going to be doing some other things in the meantime, not quite as big as that, but it's a great, it's, you know, I'm a CEO of a company, so it's right up my alley. I understand Nevada really well. Uh, I've, I, I, I know what it's about. Uh, I know the job uh, requirements for being governor. And uh, I think I would do a really good job there. Just uh, well, being kind of your, a moderate what was your platform. What was your platform? What they well, I ran as, I ran as a Republican, but I'm pretty moderate. Most people don't expect a Republican to be a supporter of green energy, which I was, which kind of was more probably more my downfall, but that's going to change in the future. I was really up for getting the party modernized and uh, kind of just reversing the old school mentality. One of the jokes we had when I was running is Heather and I were sitting in one of these, uh, one of these political meetings and she goes, you know, everybody in this room is going to be dead in like five or 10 years, Jared. (laughs) I was like, you're right. (laughs) <laughs> they're not going to vote for me. Like we got to change this. So I need eight more years to help get the party where it needs to be. But um, I actually really like the idea. I mean, I love the the combat between the parties. I don't think it's healthy at all times, but I, I do think that there needs to be a, opposing forces to keep things real and legit. Yeah. And, and you need to, it needs, well, there needs to be that opposition and fight. Well, so you that's see, what the thing we are. Is, yeah, you see what happens when there isn't that fight in states like California and Texas. Right. Right. They get completely lopsided. 
<laughs> Absolutely, completely. And it's just, it's horrible. So you need, you need to, you need to equalize things by, and I think this, this next round will be good. I mean, we have mostly Democrats right now in office. So, I mean, it's a good, in the next few years, we're going to need to kind of level that out and kind of, you know, you need to have both sides representing to keep things real. So. But true to, true to form, you use cycling as a big part of your campaign. So talk to me yeah. about like what you did there. I wanted to bring, kind of bring the young crowd into the Republican side because, like I said, it's it was more older people in our state. You know, some some of the diehards, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's part of the reason the election wasn't won, was because we didn't appeal to the younger crowds like the Dem- the Democratic Party does. And so my cycling career. And my business knowledge and, and where I come from, I uh, was kind of a good mix. It didn't work this round, but over time, I think it'll it'll be real beneficial. But I did incorporate cycling in, and uh, I rode three different three different times around the state. I did a big loop, a fourteen hundred mile. I did it all on a mountain bike too, so it was it was it was a little <laughs> harder than on a road bike. But did a, a fourteen hundred mile almost all, all on the road though, right? Uh, dirt roads and yeah, some, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was a middle, some of it was single track. No, I mean, I incorporated single track anytime I could, like, you know, me, I'm a mountain biker, so I'm going to look for the single track. I get sucked into it no matter what, but it was fantastic. There's nobody that knows the state better than me. I can tell you that right now. Uh, any governor that's ever ran this state or even the current governor, they don't have any idea where the small towns are or what's going on. I mean, and, and they, they don't really care about them because there's no, you know, there's not much of a vote there, but it was really cool to understand the state when you're seeing it from, you know, going 10, 12 miles an hour, you know, for 1400 miles or two different 500 mile rides, you see everything, you hear everything, you smell it, you taste it, you talk to people you get a feel for what you are going to be in charge of. And I thought that was something that was really important. And, and now I know it. And uh, that's kind of how I position my platform. Yeah, I, I had a great experience out of it. And going in the future, I will have that under my belt. And I think that'll be just a big bonus for the future. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every, every experience is better from the saddle of a bike. I think right? so. Like whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever you're doing, whether it's, um, you know, exploring or running a political campaign, yeah. you're going to be, you're going to be more connected. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we absolutely. definitely need more, more politicians on bikes. <laughs> I think, yeah. uh, Pete, Pete Budeljez, I think, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that, that right. Yeah. Our, our, our trans, yeah. Mayor Pete, our, our transportation secretary seems like he's really kind of bringing, bringing bikes into the conversation. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's been really good. That's really important too, especially with the boom of electric bikes. I mean, there is nothing like I'm, I, you will probably talk about this later, but electric bikes have really changed the entire landscape of transportation for the future. It's, it's big. Like I can tell you that just from the sales. Let's talk about that because yeah, you are, you do have like three bike shops. You're a specialized dealer, which is leaning hard into e-bikes and uh even even you know a couple years ago when we were there you were like just you know really kind of promoting the e-bikes i've always been a big e-bike supporter i've commuted on e-bikes uh back when i lived in la uh, on specialized bikes 
what's happened in the last couple of years uh, from, you, from your perspective? I kind of got on board with e-bikes about 10 years ago, right as they were kind of coming along and specialized about three or four years after that started coming out with their uh, turbos. But prior to that, I was even getting into e-bikes because I thought that that's, this is a way that we're going to get America back and the world back on bikes is going to be making it a little bit easier. We're going to have a green energy grid eventually. And these just fit perfectly with it. Battery powered transportation, especially in the big cities. And even funny thing is about Vegas isn't really known like New York City or, or some of these other cities about so many people riding bikes around in the city. We're, we're not as well known as, you know, for that. So despite that, I still was a big proponent for uh, electric bikes. And some people ask me, Jared, how can you do that? You're such a, <laughs> a naturalist. Yeah. You're so organic with the standard traditional bike. And that is very true. And but my time will come. I love riding e-bikes. I like to give this example. I've got a little uh, little nine-year-old girl and uh, just awesome. And we love to ride e-bikes. Um, I ride my regular mountain bike, but she loves getting on that e-bike. And she smiles from ear to ear. We hit mountain biking, road biking. We're planning on a bike ride tomorrow, a 30-plus mile bike ride. She's going to ride her e-bike, e and I'm going to ride a traditional bike. And we're going to spend that time together. And, you know, I'm going to get a huge workout because I'm riding 30 miles um, and, you know, quite a bit of climbing. And she's going to be smiling because she's riding an electric bike and having fun. That's the new thing. I almost feel like e-bike doesn't really even, isn't even accurate because it really is, is a hybrid bike. Yeah, right? it is a hybrid. Yeah, it's absolutely. a hybrid. It, it's, yeah. it's battery and human power because without the human power, the, the engine doesn't work. Right. Exactly. Like you've got, you have to pedal, even if it's like, even if you're only putting out 20 or 50 Watts and the, and you know, the motor's putting out 200 Watts, like you still have to exert energy. It's not, you're not just twisting a throttle. Exactly. Right? And I think that's the big misconception by a lot of people with e-bikes, the haters on one side who are saying, oh, it's just for lazy people. You know, the other side that just doesn't understand cycling, right? Like it gets kind of muddied i think you're hitting on it i don't i think that the people who don't who are against e-bikes they just need to get on one and yeah. see what it's like Seriously. because it really is a new experience it's a, it's a new it's a different um way of cycling it's it's not it's you're still pedaling you're still feeling the, i think the great thing is like my mom she's 75 she loves riding her e-bike. She goes out every day and she passes these Pelotons in Red Rock Canyon. And she just loves it. And these guys see this old lady passing her. Yeah. But my mom loves to do it. She's got two rebuilt knees and the e-bike just makes her happy. She'll go out and ride 15 miles on Sunday mornings and Saturday mornings. And if she can on board, she's also a school teacher, but it's really changed her life. And when I see it change people's lives, like that's a big deal to me. And e-bikes are changing people's lives for the better. It's also doing us a favor. It's keeping cars off of roads too. And that's something I think we all need to applaud is in these cities where they're making the bicycle friendly bike paths, separated bike paths. I just finished a ride across America. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, last month I rode. Nice. <laughs> Road from San Diego to uh, St. Augustine, Florida, uh, and <laughs> I it was awesome. Just did it just last month. Yeah, it was just that's just one of the things I did last month. 
That's how, that's how Jared <laughs> generally talks about cycling. <laughs> well, <hilarious>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to respond. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, than, I'm sorry. It was awesome. You're, it was, you're it was just, a, yeah. You're it just was a super phenomenal. So exceptional experience. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> was that the first time that you rode coast to coast or was that like the fifth time? Well, that was my second time, second time. Th- this past year, <laughs> coast to coast. <laughs> but I do it as fast as possible so I can get <laughs> I can get back to work. <laughs> oh, dude, you are, no. you really are my hero, Jared. I swear to God, man. That's it's all just, good. I it appreciate really is, that. It's amazing. But life's a limited time offer, so we got to do as much as we can, at least if why we have our health. So um, I'm healthy enough where I can do it. So I do, and my wife loves me enough where she'll let me do it. So, and I do as fast as I can so I can get back to work and do what I need to do. So, but what I was getting at was I was hitting the infrastructure as much as possible crossing the Southern tier. And there's some really cool things that are going on. Some of these, especially even in Florida, I really enjoyed riding in Florida. They have turned so many railways into bike paths. Beautiful. And they're turning their, uh, their infrastructure for separate, uh, not just separated bike paths, but even bike lanes on their highways. When I was in El Paso, El Paso had a separate, had it, no, it wasn't separated, but it was a bike lane on their interstate. Not oh, kidding. Nice. They actually had it signed, the beltway going around El Paso. I couldn't believe it. There was cars doing 75, 80, but I had a 12 foot shoulder. I was riding in, um, you know, super burly, gnarly traffic, but I had my own bike lane with the bike signs and everything. I mean, it was absolutely incredible watching these cities convert over and making it accessible for bikes. That's a great thing for our country. So e-bikes are making that possible. And I'll, I'll just say a little bit about the sales. I mean, Specialized now, and as far as volume dollars, they're selling just as much e-bike now as they are traditional bikes. So, so they are 50, huge. 50, 50, it's 50, 50. In terms of yeah. units or, or, or dollars? Sales, dollars. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's really what a company cares about. No, I know. Dollars. Well, like, I, I, I was actually like looking, I was trying to look up the other day, like what percentage of unit sales are e-bikes right now. And I think it's around 20%. Yeah, not as many units, but of course, you know, an e-bike is going to be minimum twenty six hundred yeah. bucks with specialized. So, but people are spending that money. They are they are getting on these e-bikes. So, I mean, it's a huge. I mean, any any I I was telling uh, every bike manufacturer I could like, look, you need to do your innovation on e-bikes now because it's it's going to happen. It's our future. It's going to mean a healthier environment for everybody in the end. And it's going to mean in my, as far as where it comes from me, it's a healthier family. My family's happier with e-bikes. You know, we went into, we went to Japan. We're going back again in six weeks, but we went to Japan last year. One of my sons is in college out there. And uh, my daughter was able to go with the whole family because, and she was uh, eight at the time or seven, I don't know, eight. And she was able to, we were all able to ride together only because of an e-bike. That's the only reason that it worked out. So, yeah. So it's the future. The one area of controversy, I think, is in trail systems that are already, you know, being kind of overridden by mechanical bikes and introducing e-bikes. So are, are is your position that all trails should be open to e-bikes or do you think there are certain trails that should have limited access um, and, and mechanical only? 
Well, my thoughts on that are I think it should come down to local jurisdiction. So in Moab, where we have a pretty big presence in Moab, we have major operations in Moab, and they make decisions there based on what they see in Moab. And so I respect that. So you can't ride e-bikes on all the single tracks in Moab, and rightfully so. It's a really busy area as it is. They probably don't need to introduce more bikes onto certain trails, at least right now. But I think that needs to be left up to lo- local jurisdictions. I do like the idea of the Department of Interior uh, bringing on electric bikes, categorizing electric bikes as bicycles. And these people aren't riding really single track in national parks, as you know. They're just getting on the bike paths. And that's a good thing. It gets people out of their motorhomes who have electric bikes, and they'll put them on their motorhomes. And they'll get instead of driving the scenic drives, they're now riding their bikes. And that's less traffic. It's keeping people healthier. As long as the speeds are capped and you have to pedal. like I think those are the two, two main things. Exactly. Well, I believe it's the class one e-bikes. So again, like I think it should be left up to the local jurisdictions. But I, I think the way we're headed is we need to definitely eyeball as as policymakers you need you need to eyeball what's happening on your local trails there's definitely some misconceptions about e-bikes i you know people say oh you're tearing up the trails with them that's not really true i'm I, not any more than a regular no, bike. not it's at all a, I've, I've tested it it's my, just a regular bike with an extra 200 watts of power i mean it's really not yeah, there's these aren't motos and there's no throttles on these so yeah that's like saying that that's like saying that pros that put out like 400 watts are tearing up the trail exactly. like just because they can, they can, you know, cause the average person can only put out maybe 200 Watts, exactly. right? They get an extra 200 from the, from the motor, but pros are out there putting out 400. Like they're not doing any more damage to the trails because they have extra wattage. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a misconception. Yeah. So I think people need to get off of that and, and just, you know, realize that one of the things I noticed, I really liked about the e-bikes, especially the e-mountain bikes. And I, I like to use my daughter as an example, but you know, she's a lightweight girl, you know, she's only nine she's a girl, but <laughs> her riding has gotten so good with an e-bike. I'm talking about her skills. And this is why I never even realized this till, till she starts waiting for me at the bottom of downhills. And yes, I said that right. <laughs> my daughter is waiting for me at the bottom of downhills. I guess I'm just getting old, but whatever. So the bike is heavy enough on these E-mount bikes, you know, because they're around 40, 38 to 45, 50 pounds. Yeah, the weights are coming down. The weights yeah, are coming down, but those heavier bikes, those bikes stick to the ground so much better. It's giving these youngsters and these people who have a hard time controlling and learning how to position a bike on a corner. Well, because of the weight of these bikes, they're sticking to the ground better and they're cornering better. And they're staying on their bikes more. They're learning how to ride bikes better. And that's one thing I've noticed. The motor and the battery are so low. Right. The too, so yes. Gravity's yeah. So people are becoming too. better riders over these e-bikes too. And that's a good, that's a good thing because they're not skidding as much and so forth. So I think it's a net benefit, a net plus to, to the bike industry in general. On a, on a related note, I want to talk about this new hut system in Southern Utah. Um, and, and it's related because... It's called the Aquarius Trail and Hut System. And one of the cool things about it, I want you to give like all the details, but like one of the cool things about it is that it's open to e-bikes and there are charging stations at each of the huts. So you you opened my eyes to this thing. Uh, you sent me the link just like, you know, a few weeks ago. I was completely unaware that this was even happening in my home state. 
So thank you for that. But like you, you sounds like you've been involved with this for a while. So uh, w- what's this new route and, and hut system all about? Okay. I'll start from the beginning and I'll make it quick. <laughs> when I started <laughs> escape adventures and I started doing my first multi-day tours, they started at Brian head, Utah, and they went to bullfrog on Lake Powell. And it was a tour I called tour de frog or tour, Brian and the bullfrog. Tour, Tour de Frog. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So that route has always been my love for touring. And over the years, I have always thought well, it would be so great if there were like places to stay in the, you know, off the beaten path. And so as time went on, as our company grew, um, I've, it's always been in the back of my mind. So about five years ago, we had the finances to uh, make that happen. And while it doesn't go all the way to Lake Powell, it does go to Escalante which is about a 200 mile route. And essentially it's just utilizing single tracks and dirt roads that are already there. The route is going through some of Utah's most scenic areas, high desert and Alpine areas. So we start the ride in Brianhead and I position five backcountry huts all the way to Escalante. And they're all about 30, 40 miles apart. The process started five years ago. I had to go into public comment with the Dixie National Forest. We went through that process that took quite some time. And after that was all said and done, we had almost a hundred percent support from all the communities across the whole system. They were absolutely stoked. That's the one thing I love about Utah. Utah is all about outdoor adventure. They got it. <laughs> they yeah, get it's it. It's in our DNA. Yeah, they sure. get it. Yeah. Especially these smaller communities. They they want the people coming to their communities. The only community that was a little bit um, hands-off on it was Boulder. And that's okay because we, technically we don't even go to Boulder on this hut system. We go to Escalante. So we miss Boulder by three miles. But the huts are made out of shipping containers. So I wanted to make it environmentally friendly. I didn't want to make a huge impact. I wanted to make sure something that we could be removed in the future without disturbing uh, too much of our beautiful, pristine forest. So we put the first hut in Hatch, Utah, which is about 30 plus miles from Brian Head. That's um, on our own private land. And we did that so that the Forest Service could see how they were built and how we wanted to do it. And it worked. And they were able to come out and check it out and give us the thumbs up and progress with the whole process. And last year when we hit COVID hit, of course, the tourism industry got hit really hard. And that made the perfect storm for us to actually build this system, put it on the ground. The Forest Service was like, yeah, let's do it. So we did it. So our guides were the ones to first start building the huts. And we are building all these uh, shipping containers, taking them out putting them on, we were using our company tour vehicles. Instead of taking people on tours, we were hauling trailers and huts to these backcountry locations. So we were still busy. We just weren't taking people on tours. Making making lemonade out of lemons. Exactly. So we figured out another way to pull, you know, keep everybody busy this summer, the last summer, and we did it. And so we put, we got the whole entire system up in literally, I got to thank Merrick Goals, who's my general manager for Escape Adventures. He's the smartest guy out there. He's awesome. He also knew how to build too. So he took took the bull by the horns and he was able to put together all these huts in the backcountry. And we got them all built up with solar power, inverters, the whole nine yards, uh, separated bathrooms. They're awesome. They're, they sleep 12 people. It's, if anybody wants to go and check it out on online, go to the aquariustrail.com. You can check out the whole hut system. And 
they're all basically shipping containers that are situated with huge decks and roofs and solar and refrigerators and freezers and fresh food and everything charging stations for e-bikes we 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 positioned each hut so that they your e-bike could last between each hut that was the primary goal of mine what what if you have a, what if you have a group of like 10 people with e-bikes well we have generators we have generate backup uh propane generators at each hut so we you can plug in to the walls but we preferred that everybody just plugs into the jennies and when they get there and they charge them for three or four hours and then they're done and uh each each hut's in a backcountry location where you're off grid and you're just there to have a good time and enjoy the back country and see really cool scenery and ride back country routes, lots of dirt roads, Jeep roads, great back country, single tracks, some purpose built single track from Brian head and red Canyon areas. But it's a six, you can, if you do the whole thing, it's six days. We ended it with scenic byway 12 because I love the hog back. I love riding it on my road bike. But we f- we had it so you could finish on dirt or you could finish on scenic byway twelve on your six days or a five day trip, however you want to do it. Just see some new stuff that most people have never seen in the backcountry there, and that's it. So we finished it. Are you driving support for this, or are the guides just like oh, okay? Um, that's a great bring, bringing everything with. Yeah, them? you're. That's a really actually a really good question. I built the system to be so you could just show up with your backpack and all the food is there. Sleeping bags are there. The only thing that you carry is your personal gear. And uh, we have a pillowcase and a sleeping bag liner that you carry from hut to hut. And you just keep it when you're done. So we didn't want to have to do too much laundry. <laughs> we found out after doing a couple test runs that we were doing tons of laundry. And I didn't want to get into the laundry business. So we're giving people pillowcases. The pillowcases have a map of the whole route. So you can slobber on your pillowcase and you pull it off your pillow and you take it to the next hut. But you show up, basically you all your food's there. You show up, you make your lunch, you make your dinner, you make your breakfast, you take your lunch with you and uh, your water for the day and off you go. And uh, we've, we're doing a new map with, uh, I'm, I'm working out a new whole new trail system map, uh, our own app that you'll be able to utilize along the route. Currently we're just using like map my ride, but you'll, you basically just follow this route and there's options each day to ride single track or dirt roads. Or if you want to go to Bryce Canyon one day, you can do that, but it's just a new experience for people. And so it's been such a hit that we are almost overbooked in September right now. We had write-ups in men's journal and outside in the past uh, eight weeks, which has been great. And yep. uh, the state of Utah did a big write-up for us and so forth. So it's going really well. We've got over 200 people registered for it for summer 2020 well, this year. So, and, and the, the season is June or sorry, July 1st through October, late, late October. So it's a, that's that five month window. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you offline about booking that okay. trip. So <laughs> that's the, it's like seriously at the top of my list right now, because it just sounds phenomenal. I think you also do like Thunder Mountain trail, yeah. right? That's part of the mm-hmm. route, Yep, which is just a classic. Yeah. I did that last year and and I did it back in the 90s. Yeah. So, and the, so. one of the huts is called the Butch Cassidy Hut. So it's actually in Red Canyon, the hut. So you'll, you ride and you get there probably around one o'clock. So you ride from the first hut to the second hut. You're in Red Canyon and then you can do a single track ride from the hut 
after you're set there and then come back to the hut. And then the next day you do Thunder Mountain and then make your way towards Powell Point. So, yeah. Kind of per our conversation, I want to do it. I want to do it with a group on e-bikes. Absolutely. Like that's the way I want to do it. I think it's, it's like the perfect route for that. And, you know, I want to play with the, with the power settings and, you know, still have my heart rate monitor on and my computer. And I, I still want to get a workout. But I just want to have, have a I good just time. Have, the, have a good time. Yeah, have, have a good time. Bike. Chill out and yeah. enjoy the enjoy it. That's what it, that's what it's about. Like like I said before, life is a limited time offer. Rob, we got to get <laughs> everything in before this life's over, right? <laughs> well, other than that, how is the how is the season shaping up for you? Because I'm sure there's just been like you know all this pent up demand from you know essentially missing last season right like yeah. you guys weren't doing any tours last year did well, you no like, we did actually you did ball? we were doing tours there were more private tours and they were smaller and so we were doing right. anything okay. we possibly could to keep everybody busy as far as that goes but when we started combining that with our hut project last summer we were really 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 busy but as far as the tour front goes i'm really excited for the tourism business right now because there's so many small tour operators out there that were just hurting last year. And um, with the vaccine out, like we are busier than ever. Like in our 30 years of business, this will be our busiest year ever. People see well, yeah, it. You're, you're in retail and tour. Well, I'm talking just the, the retail. Tour. Well, retail's the tour. been out. The retail's we, been like. Retail's yeah. been insane. Like. <laughs> I, I've, ever since the COVID yeah. hit. Yeah. Here's my suggestion. Crazy, right? If you want a bike, don't. Uh, you go in the bike shop and you buy what they have, because if you don't buy it in 12 hours, it will be gone. That's how it goes in our bike shop. <laughs> Unless you're spending 10 grand, then you can wait a couple of days. But people are buying the 10,000, 12,000, even $15,000 bicycles. I don't understand it, but it's happening. Um, it's like sight unseen. Yeah. yeah like it, I'll take it. it. Happens. Put my name on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the bike is, so the bike industry, as we know, is taking, you know, just leaps and bounds. And that's so great for the bike industry in our, in our world and America and just seeing the health of our country boost. But the tourism side of things, I'm really excited for not just in the cycling industry, but all around all the tourism businesses that have been hurting so hard, like with the vaccination out there. And people being more confident to travel. And as we see these countries uh, get more and more people vaccinated and open their borders, we're going to start to see that international travel too. So it's looking really good all the way around. And I'm very optimistic. Right now, I would say we're probably, as a whole for an economy, at least in our state, probably 30, 35% where of where we need to be. But by 2022, I think we'll, our economy will be back where it should should have been it had it the pandemic. But the difference is bicycle riding now is going to be one of the top sports in the world. Like that's where that thank you, COVID. <laughs> yeah. Thank I you, know. COVID. It's really incredible what it's done for us. Yeah, it's been awesome. I and mean, we have lost a lot of people along the way. And I, you know, I I regret to say that, but and I'm so sad for so many people that did lose lives along the way. But, you know, yeah, we didn't that ask happens. for it for sure. That yeah. happens. And, um, you know, you move on in life. And uh, one of the, the benefits to this has been bicycling. So uh, we move on and bicycling will be one of the net benefits from COVID. So 
you can order the Escape Adventures catalog, which, um, you know, I need to prepare you that it's kind of like the Sears catalog from the 80s. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so freaking thick, right? And it's kind of overwhelming, you know, how many different routes and experiences that Escape Adventures offers. So if you're an advanced mountain biker and they're calling up with some advice on, you know, uh, their first trip with a group of friends, like where, where are you kind of s- steering them toward? Like what, what, what trip would you advise them to, to plan first if they've never done an escape adventures trip? Well, if we're talking about mountain biking <clears throat> and we're talking about like, I like, I, I like, I like when people go on camping trips because you're stepping outside your comfort zone because we all sleep in houses or beds for the most part. But if you're going to go on a camping trip, go to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. It's fantastic. The yeah. single track is awesome. It's beautiful. It's remote. It's easy to get to. You fly to Vegas and you drive four hours. You're there. You do a five-day trip. You go back and it's on your mind for the rest of your life. That's our bread and butter tour. It's fantastic. That's what I would I do agree. first time. I've, 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 do that. I've done that. But I've done that route before and I can. I, I couldn't. I wholeheartedly agree because the other thing is that they don't. they probably don't know anybody who's ever done that. Right. Like, I mean, so many people have been to Moab and like, you know, some of the clat, like the white rim trail and like, those are all fantastic for sure. But like the North Grand of the Grand Canyon is just, so it feels like complete. It's still to this day feels totally unexplored. You know, you can't ride single track trails in a national park, but like you're, you're literally on the edge. Yeah. I want to explain that for a second because most right? people don't understand that, but the national park runs up to the rim in the yeah. Kaibab National Forest. But right at the top of the rim, it turns into National Forest. So the single track literally touches the National Park on the left-hand side, depending on which direction you're riding. So you're riding, looking into the most gorgeous National Park, backcountry, wildlife everywhere. It is absolutely phenomenal. Like nobody leaves that trip and doesn't say that was one of the greatest things they ever did. And in the misconception that some people have about going to just the Grand Canyon is most people do go to the Grand Canyon on the South Rim, but only 10% of the entire population of people that go to the Grand Canyon go to the North Rim. What they don't know is the North Rim is where it's at. The South Rim is where people go and then go to McDonald's on the North on the South Rim. They don't have a McDonald's <laughs> on the North Rim. All they have is mountain bike tour outfitters cooking good food on the rim, and you ride in single track. Right. That is what's yeah. great about it. So I actually I tried to get down there last year, but the the fires kind of prevented me from from getting down there. Yeah, um, did the did those affect you guys at all? No, not too bad. I mean, there's I actually you know my my family is. Um, real outdoorsy. My dad worked for the forest service for years and years. And he taught me all about the importance of forest fires. And so the forest fires that have hit the North rim have been fantastic. The new growth is beautiful. It's really cool to actually, oh, it, ride. Was just, it was, it was, just, it was just shut down at the time that I wanted to go. Yeah. I couldn't even get, get down. Okay. From up yeah. Here. yeah. They will shut down at portions. It depends if it's, you know, if it's going to affect the safety of the, the people coming to the national forest, but generally the forest is open and uh, just seeing the new aspen grows that grow up after the forest fires and the greenery. Oh, it's beautiful. And you can see so much in the distance. I mean, most people don't under, well, I'm going to say most people, but a lot of people who don't grow up in the back, in the back country or understand, you know, the ecology of 
Western landscapes, we need forest fires. They're actually really important. Not too many, and we don't need man-made ones, but we do need forest fires to rebuild the forest. So when a lightning strike hits a national, hits a forest or hits a tree and it starts a fire, like that's actually not yeah, necessarily that, a bad that, thing. That, that was the cause. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. Most, most those of those fires, fires yeah. on the North Rim that we've had have been lightning strikes. So yep. those, they need to burn. And then we see the beauty of it after it's, it's, it's phenomenal. We still have the old growths, but we have the, you know, the, the new landscape out there too. So you see it all. Okay. So North Rim would be the, would be the first one. What if somebody can only do two other escape adventures tours in their entire life <laughs> oh man i hate that question <laughs> no it's a huge catalog man <laughs> it's like, a horrible I, question I, for me because i love <laughs> everything gosh i did well okay so if you've never been to moab you've got to go i mean let's just say it mountain biking capital of the world moab utah there's so much new trails there since you and i started mountain biking you know i we probably started somewhere in the early 90s or late 80s but but yeah. Since then, the Moab, Utah has built epic amounts of single track and they have everybody on board and they understand how important it is to the small little town of 6,000 people in Moab that they have tourism. So they went on it and they built great single track. So every year, I mean, I have not ridden all the trails in Moab yet and I own a company there. (laughs) I don't know what to say. There's too that, that much. There's something. too much yeah. to ride. Like I wish I could live to be 300 years old, but I'm so, probably not going to do that. So do you I, guys? Do you guys run that one like your standard tour? There is kind of like a base camp and go out well, and, and and essentially do day tours, or is there we point do it all point kind of we camping? do everything out okay. there. But the classics are the White Rim and the Maze District of Canyonlands National Park. Those are like the bomb tours. Like and now you can ride e-bikes in the Maze and on the White Rim. So we have started innovating and building new charging stations on our support vehicles, which are built inside of big white coolers. They're full of batteries now instead of (laughs) food. (laughs) The industry is changing so much. Like we have to innovate. So that's what we're doing now. So go to Moab if you haven't. If you have uh, some of the other areas I really like, I love Oregon. I love Mount Hood and, and I love Bend. Those are fantastic beautiful mountain bike riding and single track. Love those areas. Uh, And uh, even like uh, Mount St. Helens area on the east side of Mount St. Helens, great riding over there too. So kind of the Northwest area. Um, Now I'm kind of talking mountain biking there. There's also road biking too. And I, I heard Greg Lamond on, I know, don't say, eh. We cover it all, but I'm talking to you I, about mountain biking. I, yeah. <laughs> I just want to throw a plug in for road biking though. Sure. <laughs> just, there's gotta all be right, some where, road where, bikers listening. Where do the roadies go with escape? <laughs> um, like California's got some good road bike riding, believe it or not. Are you, are, well, are you yeah. doing gravel tours yet? Is that, is, that a, uh, no, is that a thing? Not as we tried to push that to market too early. But we're probably going to open yeah. it back up again in the future. Yeah, I would think so. But road yeah. bike riding. That's, it. that's, it. That, that's interesting, though. That's interesting to me because I'm trying to kind of figure out where we are in the gravel evolution or revolution, right? But yeah, if you if you can't sell tours yet, then then we're, kind of, we're not there yet. Yeah, right? we're but not it, quite it there yet arrived. on the tour side of things. But it's starting to happen. I'll, I'll tell you, though, on sales and retail market, 
Yes, we are now yeah, selling. That's, that's the leading indicator. Yes. I guess the lagging indicator is tours. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think we're lucky. We have a car in every lane in this bicycle industry, except manufacturing. But with between our retail and our tour operations and our um, hut operations now, uh, we we kind of see what happens in retail, and then we can kind of you know pr- forecast what's going to happen in the tour side. So right now, we're in the stages of watching gravel bikes take over right now. So people will buy a gravel bike before they're going to buy a road bike now, unless they have, you know, X amount of dollars where they can spend on 20 different disciplines of bikes. Uh, they're going to buy a gravel bike first. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I interrupted you though. The, the road tour in California. Yeah. Yeah. And, California's and- got great road bike riding in the back, some of the back country. I, I believe it or not, like I even like Napa Valley for road riding. It's, it's really fun out there. It's good stuff. There's some nice backcountry routes that you can ride. We even have a tour in Florida, Rob, <laughs> a road biking tour. Yeah, flat, I know it sounds weird, tour. but there's it's flat, there's it's that's, flat that's, as a pancake. You can yeah. ride a regular bike. You don't even need an e-bike there. You don't even need an e-bike. But you can yeah. take you can one if you tailwind want. half the time. Yeah. yeah. But there's great rails to trails there. I don't know. I'll stop talking about road biking because I know it's making you mad. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I, I, I love the road biking. I do. But I associate you and Escape Adventures with mountain biking yeah. and as, as, the, as the premier outfitter uh, if you want to go off-road for sure. Well, thanks. Um, That's our roots. And, <laughs> and, and you, are, you are like, a, you know, just a mountain biking soul brother. So well, thanks. Uh, you too. You're, 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 an, you're an inspiration. <laughs> So where, where does, uh, let me ask you a uh, kind of final question here. Uh, where does escape adventures go next? You know, you're 30 years in, what is, what does the next 30 years hold? Well, I'm training the next generation because I can't do this forever. And, uh, I keep alluding to life's a limited time offer. Right. So I've got other things I aspire to do like, uh, government and so forth, but escape adventures will continue to grow and innovate. We've always been about innovation and being, uh, you know, innovating our buildings through our green energy buildings, uh, venturing out into the hut systems and so forth, and new tour areas. We're, we're venturing out into Europe right now. So uh, that's kind of where we're going. I, I'm really, my goal right now is to train the new set of Escape Adventures CEOs, <laughs> so to speak, you know, managers, GMs and stuff, because I want them, I like new ideas. Uh, I, I've handed the reins to some other people, not complete reins. I mean, I'm still the CEO, but uh, I want people to grow and help me innovate and let me kind of go and off and do some other things for the communities and that I've been to and um, help, you know, improve the world and, and maybe even other ways, you know, through bicycling, of course, that'll always be my love, but escape adventures is going to probably, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll invade. It'll come up with new things. You know, e-bikes are the new thing right now. Maybe it's, you know, e-biking around the world and, and whatever, whatever that may be. I, I'm not totally sure. So I'm just handing my reins to other people right now and letting them come up with new ideas and kind of helping mentor them and just kind of sitting on the back and letting, letting my people fly is what I, it's a term I use is let them, let them see, you know, at the end of the day, I like, you know, let's see if we're in flames, if we're burning in flames, 
and there's a fireball on the ground and I need to come in and I'll, I'll try and help. <laughs> but we, you know, I lay down the principles of the company and the principles that we need to follow and our ethics and values. And then I let the, you know, as long as we hold those, then we can, you know, we can venture off and see where we end up and they'll put our feelers out there and stuff. And we just bought a ranch in Moab, Utah. So we have now Escape Adventures has five acres. I think we're getting our first pig, Escape Adventures pig. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know about that, but that's apparently what we're doing. So we're going to, we're going to, what we're going to do is feed all of our compost from all our Moab based tours to our pig. And then we're going to eat our pig in November for our company party. <laughs> Full circle, the baby. Cycle of life. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> we'll see. Oh man. Well, you're, you're, you are really, you're an inspiration. Uh, I feel lucky to know you and to know about escape adventures. I plan on uh, joining you for more escape adventures in the future. And uh, thanks so much for, for sharing your story with us on psychology.fm. And likewise, Rob, I've always respected you and everything you've done and everyone you've brought to the table and, and all the people, you know, especially the new psychology podcast. I've really, I've listened to all your episodes and I love it. And I love listening to people's stories and sharing those and making the world a better place. So thank you. Right on, man. Well, right. I'll see you on the Aquarius uh, trail uh, yes. this summer or fall for sure. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to the psychology.fm podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you did, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at psychology.fm. That's C-Y-C-O-L-O-G-Y.fm, where we'll provide exclusive content about bikes, gear, trends, and upcoming episodes.